Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom with Nathan Drinker and I'm Jay Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere in between. If you're looking for us in the video format, you can find us at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Drink, great to be back with you as the NBA first round of playoffs rolls on. Yeah, man. Um, I wish I was in better spirits. I'm not going to lie to you, but um, um, we here. We in the lab. Um, listen, talking about the first round of the playoffs. I think some of these series are going a little longer than they need to be. Yeah, I'm talking to you, 76ers. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Golden State. We, should, we need to get that done. Um, with that said, yeah, um, the first round, you know, seems like we're going we're gonna to get a, a couple of game sixes, um, maybe a game seven, so I can't wait to get into that. Um, but, yeah, man, another day, another dollar, giving the streets what they need. Uh, we see what they don't, absolutely say what they want. Uh, set your dinner plates because it's time to eat. And, uh, yep, last but not least, let's talk some sports, baby. Jay, what we got today? We got episode 56. We're going to continue our coverage of the NBA playoffs and talk about two massive, massively disappointing NBA teams. And we'll have our final NFL draft preview segment. But we start in the Eastern Conference, as we did on Friday's show. Was it Friday? It was Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's go down the line really quickly here. The one seed Heat, after four games, they're up three games to one. Beat the uh, beat the Hawks in game four, 110 to 86. Jimmy Butler, 36 points. Uh, the only sweep, which is odd, somewhat odd, is the Boston Celtics taking care of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, despite 39 points from Kevin Durant last night and no doubt his best performance of the series. The, uh, the Bucks that Chris Middleton injury didn't hamper them much at all as they whipped the Bulls in both games in Chicago. Grayson Allen in that ser- uh, in game three and four had 22 and 27 points, respectively. And, yeah, we thought the Philadelphia 76ers had this thing uh, wrapped up with a, a bow on it, and instead we're going to have a game six on Thursday night as the Raptors have won game four and five by eight and 15 points. Uh, Siakam, 34 in game four and 23 in game five. Take it away, Drink. All right, so what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to go too crazy because it seemed like everything I said on Friday showed us totally opposite happened, totally opposite. Um, But with that said, I I do want to give a shout-out to the Boston Celtics um, for being, like, the only team in the first round to go handle their business. Um, I, I get it. Game one, they could have lost. They could have lost game four as well, but they didn't. Um, and they came in there and took, took care of um, probably two of the most talented players that ever played this game. Um, and, they, and listen, I, I, I told you this before the show, you know, I was a little down on the Celtics defense, even though it, the numbers bared out that they was a good elite defense, but I wasn't, you know, really sold on the competition that they had played during that time. Well, I was like, okay, they may or may not be elite. Now, after seeing what they did in a seven-game series, well, let's say a four-game series, I should say, um, against the Brooklyn Nets, against, you know, two of the most, like I said, dynamic uh, superstars we got in the NBA, um, I got I got to get them flowers, man. That was impressive. I, I thought what the Boston Celtics did was very, very impressive. Um, clearly the most impressive team in the first round. Um Outside of that, um, listen, you know, me and you always had this debate. You're a Luca guy. I'm a Trey Young guy. But let me tell you something, Trey Young. I can't, I can't be out here advocating for you 
when you're out here doing this mess right here. Nine points in a smoke checking game four, they're just not going to cut it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they always, like, I like you as a player, but they gas you up every time you do something. Oh, Dre, y'all, he hit the shot. Like, listen, I'm going to need you to be a little more consistent there, buddy. Your, your consistency is killing me. I want to see you do great things, but you need to do better. With that said, right, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that um, – because Miami should be up 3-1. Yeah. So, um, let me see. Yep. One, two, three. Okay. Yep. So, um, I'm hoping that they get they play tonight. So, uh, I'm hoping that's the end of that, um, in my opinion. Um, with the Bucks and Bulls, look, here's the deal. Um, this result is the exact result that we said. If you go all the way back to the first time we talked about a Pretender, contender series, right? We always said <coughs> that the Bulls was a pretender for the obvious reasons. We can't trust a big three. Thus far, when you look at what then happened thus far, I think we've been correct. Even with the, the Chris Middleton injury, we still been correct on that. Um, the Rosen had 41 in game two. That's the only game they was they won. That was the only game they was like. If you ask me, pretty winnable. I mean, game one looks winnable, but you have to actually watch the game. Um, but DeRozan, this is what DeRozan do. He up and down. He, Like I said, he shows up sometimes in the series and he disappears. Then we talked about Vucevic. Where you at, Vucevic? Oh, it's a little different level when you're playing on a team with, with some um, expectations. You got used to going to the playoffs with Orlando. No one gave a rip. Now you're in Chicago. People give a rip. So it's a little different. And then, you know, Zach Levine, hey, he playing like a first-year playoff guy. It is what it is. Um, but, I, you know, the Bucks defending champs, even without Chris Middleton, this is what we um, – what this is definitely what you've seen coming because I said six, you said five. They win tomorrow night. It's over with. Um, but I think that the domination of that series is um, on par with what, what we thought was going to happen. Chicago just gonna have to go to the drawing board, see what they do in the offseason, and they might come back and be a little different next year. But it, listen, they just ain't got enough scoring to be honest with you. And then the 76 and Raptors, like I said earlier, man, I really thought the 76 was gonna pack this up and get it done. I guess MB hurting his thumb really, really set them back a lot further than I thought. But being the fact that he was playing, I said, okay, he should be all right to get it done. But it did not. Uh, so, like you said earlier, the Raptors end up winning. So now that series three two. Um, and I know going going back to Toronto for Game Six. Um, yeah, this is gonna get interesting. If I don't know, if seven six lose Game Six, you go into Game Seven, and you got a MB that's not hundred percent. Um, you got a James Harden that's – I don't even know this guy right here. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm going to start saying MB with Tyrese Maxey at this point because I don't know what, what in the hell James Harden got going on. But, um, with that, like I said, that series should be over. But shout out to the Raptors, man. They lose Fred Van Bleek, and they they keep rolling, right? They keep rolling. So, shout out to them. But, yeah, man, that, that's my quick overview of the Eastern Conference first round. <clears throat> Yeah, we thought we have. We definitely thought Philadelphia would be moving on, um, and now it's it's definitely looking looking a little bit dicey. 
especially now having to go back to Toronto for game six. And if you lose that one, it's just game seven. And don't be the one. Don't be the one to be the first team to blow a three nothing lead. Um, Cause uh, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it from us. Embiid. Uh, I mean, uh, I understand dealing with a little thumb issue right now, but um, look, if you're out on the floor at this point of the season and you're that, you're that caliber of player, you know, like, I mean, I can only, we're only going to have so much sympathy for you, you know, like, especially again, a player of that caliber, a player who I believe moving forward, it's going to be between him and Giannis for best player in the world. That's what I believe. That's what I've been saying. And uh, look in games four and five, I'm looking at 21 and eight. I'm looking at 20 and 11. That's, I mean, that's, that's simply not good enough. Now, of course he's not alone because we have James Harden over here who is, um, not been very impressive to say the least. This is a guy who in this series is shooting under 40% from the floor in four to five games. So, um, I mean, he, he's averaging 18 points and nine assists. I mean, Drake, those are nice numbers, but that's not, James, that's not the James Harden we're interested in, you know? And um, so you have that going on. I mean, Bottom line, bottom line, Philadelphia cannot blow this series. If they do, it is it is most certainly legacy damaging for uh, James Harden, and I think it's legacy damaging for Doc Rivers as well. It, it'll it'll it'll, it, it'll hurt Embiid as well. It, it'll also hurt Embiid. But think about it, Embiid still has. I think he you know he's got a lot of years ahead of him. He's gonna he's a guy who's gonna win. I think multiple MVPs in this league. So you have that. But but I do agree. Phil, uh, excuse me. Toronto deserves a lot of credit. Nick Nurse deserves a lot of credit. I mean, what you can say whatever you want about Toronto. The one thing, the one thing that they not, they not quitters, you know. So you, you got to give that to him. Uh, Siakam does, I think Siakam deserves credit. He's clearly the guy, even when Kawhi was on that team, you look at Siakam and he was the, you know, even though you had Kyle Lowry, but you knew Siakam was like the next, the next thing for Toronto. And you know, in game four, carried him to 34, eight and five and a really nice line in game five as well. So uh, Heat Hawks, yeah, man. Uh, look, I, I said it. I said it on the last show. Like, look, man, you can't be you can't be the next coming to Steph Curry and stink up the joint. You can't go one for 12 in a playoff game. You can't go three for 11 in a playoff game either. That, so that's two, and you'll notice, there's been two close games in this series. Uh, in those two games, you had Miami win one. That was by 10, so relatively close. And then Trey Young hit a game one in floater or whatever in game three. So you're one and one in the close games where Trey Young played. I, I don't think he played great, but he played, you know, he played okay. 25 points, 24 points. Uh, so, but you had a one for 12 in game one. You had a three for 11 in game, in game four. So you had two games in the series where you were awful from the floor and you scored a combined 17 points. In this series, Trey Young is averaging 16 points, six assists, and six turnovers. Drake, that's awful from a perspective that this is a guy who, I mean, has has he has MVP type talent. That's what you say. And you see a guy who last year took a team to led a team to the Eastern Conference Finals. And to when when you the thing about it is when you achieve something like that, the net the like we expect we expect like. We don't expect these step, these, you know, gigantic steps backwards. And to go from the Eastern Conference Finals to a first round gentleman sweep is a major step backward. 
And I, I understand, like, I don't think the supporting cast has quite been what it's supposed to be. You know, we got John Collins, seemed like he a little in and out right now. I, I don't know what they're doing with Bogdanovich, got him coming off the bench. DeAndre Hunter been dealing with injuries. He's, you know, back in there trying to do something. Capella, he's been a little in and out. So I understand they got some things going on. But when you're the best player, when you're that type of caliber player, we don't, we're not giving you the excuses. Just like we're not giving Joel and B don't get the excuses. Guys like Giannis, Luca, don't, you know, all these guys, and they, you know, I could go on down the line, but you're not getting the excuses. Now, on the other hand, J the, Jimmy Butler, like it's just amazing what this guy can do. This guy can impact the game, you know, by playing the all-around game that he does and just kind of stat stuff, stat sheet stuffing. But he's had two games. He's had a 45-point game and a 36-point game. So this guy just reminds you, you know, from time to time how great he can be. And I think, you know, especially with some of the lineups, Miami seems to trot out there, you know, when they have um, – when you got Vincent and you got, you got Strauss. You got some of these guys who is like – I don't even – I couldn't even tell you who these guys are. If I saw them on the street, I wouldn't recognize them. And you got Bam and you got Tucker. I mean, they're, they're, they're starting five right now for the most part. And you throw Lowry in there when he's healthy. Very defensive-minded lineup, you know? So it's, it's almost like, man, maybe Jimmy Butler does have to score more. It seems like Eric Spolstra, what he's opted is to, you know, have some of his fire, more of his firepower come off the bench than guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So interesting, interesting what they're doing right now. But um, I, I'm not that surprised the, that Miami's having this amount of success. Um, and yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta just big step back overall, for, not only for Trey Young, but for the whole team. At Bucks, Bucks Bulls, I got to say, I, I know I made the comment on Twitter, I believe it was. The Bucks, the Bucks out here, they, they a little rude. They, they a little rude. I like what they did, though. They came out here and said, you know what? We're going to play around for a little bit. We're going to make Chicago think they in this thing. Oh, you won game two? That was nice. Oh, Middleton, you got a little hand. Yes, it's fine. Go ahead, so, go ahead and sit down. Get some ice. Do what you need to do. Uh, we about to we gonna come to Chicago. Y'all gonna think y'all ready for something, and we about to blitz y'all. That that was that was that was championship level ball that they played in both those games, on both sides, offensively and defensively. And you know, I talked about game one. They played. I think they played half a game, and then the second half they kind of played around. And the, the, the in game two they didn't they didn't play up to to their potential. They beat them by thirty. In game three, hold them to 81 points, and they beat them by 24. Just, uh, you know, this, this is the first – it feel like, you know, and you know about Chicago. We've been talking about pretty much all year. Even when they started off to – they was a, in the top spot in the East for a little bit. And even though uh, they was up in the top three for quite a while. And it just did not feel real because of the guys we were looking at. And that's no disrespect to particularly DeRozan, who has had an outstanding season. And it's remarkable that he seems to continue to get better, um, even though he's I think he's in his early 30s now. But he keeps getting better and better. But um, yeah, like Vucevic, I'm sorry, I'm not believing in him. Levine, not not yet. I mean, just and and please, these people. Oh well, Lonzo Ball out. Stop, please stop. You know that guy. That guy's not making that big of a difference. And you especially don't get to cry about that now because Chris Middleton's down. But again, what look, Giannis, he's that dude. Drew Holiday did elevate his game, uh, particularly offensively in game three, hitting five three-pointers. And uh, look, you, I don't think I've ever said one complimentary thing about Grayson Allen, but 
But damn it, he's been balling. I got to give it to him. He's been playing out of his mind. 11 for 14 from three-point range the past two games. And I got to say, you know, uh, Grayson Allen was involved with that thing with Caruso earlier this season. Bobby Portis is a guy who started his career in Chicago. And he, I think he punched Nikola Miritich out the league. I really got to think it's got to feel good for those two guys to come into Chicago and ball the way they did. Bobby Portis too. Bobby Portis in those two games, 32 points and 26 rebounds. You know, they just, you know, we, we questioned Milwaukee's toughness a few years ago. Last year, they kind of got with it with, with Bobby Portis and with P.J. Tucker. And I think that they're a team that just mentally, they, they've arrived. You know, it, it just feels like, can they be up and down a little bit in a series? Yes. But I don't, I think it's going to be hard for them to get, you know, you know, uh, mentally dominated by a Miami Heat team or the, uh, the Raptors when Kawhi was there. I don't think that's going to happen right now. I think, especially with the with Giannis leading them, and then Holiday, and even a, a lot of the role players, they get it. They they are a much tougher team than they were several years ago. And finally, we get to the the sweep. The sweep just then didn't see it coming. But look, you got to give Boston all the credit in the world. Rem, remarkable, remarkable defensive series uh, that they did, considering. Uh, the two offensive talents that they were contending with. Uh, KD finally got it going in game four, but uh, he struggled mightily in the first three games. Uh, Boston's Boston's length with guys like Tatum, Jalen Brown. Obviously, you're, you're working against the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. And um, they just, and, and on down the line, I mean, you look at every, I would say probably Derek White's the one guy I haven't been overly impressed with on defense. But besides Derek White, I mean, everybody they put in the game, uh, you know, a guy I'm thinking about right now is Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams didn't improve a lot since he came into the league. And he's even a guy who, when, he, when he's checking Kevin Durant, he, Durant's even struggling against him. The Celtics have a lot of uniquely unique size, unique players on defense. You got Tatum's length. You got Jalen Brown. You got Marcus Smart. Robert Williams with what he can do. Grant Williams is like, Grant Williams is, is really wide. He's got an odd NBA body, but like he, he still moves, he moves well enough. And that, that was impressive. And as much as we like been critical of Boston, especially me, I've been critical of what they've been doing since the trade deadline last year. But they brought back Al Horford. They brought back Tice, Derek White. You got Robert Williams coming into his own. Yudoka has shown that he's a uh, he's a heck of a coach, and that's got to that's got to be something for him too. I mean, he was an assistant on this Nets team, so that's got to mean something. And of course, I don't want to uh, I don't want to get in too much of the Nets right now because I think we got a little bit I think we got a little bit of something for the, for them later. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that eventually. Stay with us. All right. So staying in the NBA, let's talk about this West ball a little bit. So. Starting off at the top of the heat, uh, the Phoenix Suns versus the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, that series is tied at 2-2. Um, as we know, the big deal in that series right now is Devin Booker. Um, he's out with a um, MCL uh, tear, strain, one or two. Um, so <clears throat> he should be out for an, another three three or so weeks. We'll see how that go. But right now that series at 2-2. Two and two. Um, the 2-7 matchup, Memphis Grizzlies versus Minnesota Timberwolves. That series is also now at 2-2. Two two. Um, uh, that series seemed to be um, 
up and down. That's why I like it. Uh, you just never know what you're going to get. Oh, yeah. Hey, you seen that 33 from uh, Tom, Sanjay, but we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but that series is tied up at 2-2. Then we go to the 3-6, one the series that probably um, let me down the most because I thought the Warriors, the Warriors was going to get this done. Um, that series is 3-1 Warriors. Um, with I will say Denver won the last game. They won game four, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get a, a finality to that series here soon. Uh, and then the four or five matchup, the Dallas Mavericks versus Jay's favorite team, the Utah Jazz. Um, yes. That series is three two Mavericks. Um, so with that said, Jay, what what we got going on in the Western Conference? Well, we got uh, yeah, we got uh, look Phoenix and New Orleans. Here's the deal on that. I'm not I'm not paying attention, not all that much. I, I look, 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 Phoenix. And we, 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 we went over this very briefly before the show. Phoenix, you better figure this out. Because this you may not think about it as the biggest upset in uh, NBA playoff history or first round, however you want to phrase it. But look, Phoenix, you won 64 games in a regular season. New Orleans won 36 games in a regular season. So you may want to figure this out. Because this, this is just not – I understand. I understand Devin Booker's not in there. I get it. But regardless, you were 28 games better than the Pelicans were in the regular season. You're the defending Western Conference champions. Everybody's been, and, and really coming into the playoffs, I think the only team that anyone would even bother think it could beat you was the Golden State Warriors. And now, and now we're in danger of losing in the first round? Oh, you, you got to get together, guys. I mean, CP3, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, Bridges, everybody, you got, you got, look, you got to compensate for what Devin Booker can't give you right now. Um, and I just don't think, you know, if you wind up losing this series, it's going to be a massive disappointment. And, um, you know, I mean, look, every team, teams deal with injuries, you know, and, I, I, look, I, I think if Devin Booker, let's say he's just down and he can't come back for the next round, I think I think that's no harm, no foul if you lose in the semifinals to Dallas. I don't think that'd be that big a deal. But you can't lose in the first round to a 36-win team. That's all I'm saying in that one. Uh, Memphis and Minnesota, look, I, don't, I think um, I know you were big on this series in the preview. You thought this was going to be one of the best. I think it has been one of the best from an entertainment value. I, I still think both these teams are just, I call them bipolar uh, on Friday. I, that's how, that's still how I see it. These teams just can't, they can't get it together one way or the other. And I, if I had to say, I think we're headed for a seven game series. I do think it does seem like it does seem, it, I don't feel like John Morant's had that game yet. He hasn't had that game. You know what I'm saying? To where he's just like, this is John Morant's, you know, opening like uh, his playoff moment. This is John Morant's signature game to where he puts his, really puts his fingerprints on. I think Desmond Bain's been, I think Bain's been the most impressive guy for me consistency wise for Memphis. Uh, of course, Carl Anthony Towns, this is a guy who is the embodiment of the up and down. You know, <laughs> one game he's put about nine points and six fouls, and then you get 33 and 14 in game four. So, 
But that, but that look, he's got to, if, if Minnesota is to win this series, I think he does have to be the catalyst. I'm not sure as much as I like Anthony Edwards, I'm not sure yet. That's the guy who you want leading the charge yet. So I think it's got to be Cat. And um, I, I confess to you, I don't know which way. I mean, I got, I'm going to stick with Memphis, but I honestly, I have no clue about how this is going to turn out because both teams are so up and down. Um, now to, to Golden State and Denver, uh, again, we've had a couple of 3 We got Philadelphia right now really struggling uh, to try to close that series out against Toronto. I don't see the same issue for Golden State. I really don't. Um, I think they take care of this thing in five. But again, I, for, for Denver's side, Jokic back-to-back games of 37 points. It just, it just you, I, I do think anytime a team gets down 3-0 and they come back and they even win one game, I think it says a lot about that team because it, I think it'd be very easy to just mail it in because no, this is something that no team's ever done. No team's ever come back from 3-0. So, um, you know, wh- why it going to be us? And especially Denver because D- Denver just don't have the personnel for this. You know, if they were at full strength and uh, you recall they had, uh, might've been in the bubble where they could add back-to-back 3-1 deficits that they overcame I think it was uh against Utah in the first round and then the Clippers so there is a history there of them you know coming back to against all odds but they they just don't have the horses in this series that's that's where I'm at so I think Golden State go ahead and get them out of here and I think Golden State will be in the Western Conference Finals because your two seed and 17 seed teams we, we we just we can't tell we don't know what they're doing and oh yeah you know I'm all about this one and I'm so pleased I know, look, and I know I, you look, I was a little, I was a little frustrated with that game four because, you know, I saw that NBA report with them refs. They missed the offensive foul call late. That was a big deal. And then next thing you know, Go Bears out here with a game winning dunk and I'm supposed to be impressed. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful. And then I swear, this is, this, look, Utah last night, 77 points. And, you get at least Clarkson came off the bench and did something. He he popped in his uh you know 20 point game. Gobert, 17 points, 11 rebounds. Good job. Good job, Rudy. Look, guys, I know Mitchell got hurt, but you Mitchell scores nine points in 32 minutes. But he was, but he wasn't even the worst offender. Can I interest you in four points from Mike Conley? No? How about two points from Bojan Bogdanovich and an 0 for 9 from the floor? This is ugh, these guys, flat soda drink, flat soda, just, just stale. Left the food out way too long. You didn't wrap it in aluminum foil. So much wrong with this. I don't, man. And uh, that, I mean, they still have they still have enough talent, but it's just it, it's stale. And um, look, Luca being back in Game Four. Uh, you know, he, he did what he did. I don't think he was quite at full strength. I felt like game five, I felt like he had a better flow to his game. Brunson's still doing what, what he did. Uh, they combined for 57 points in that game. Uh, but, man, I, oh, 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 here's another great stat for you. You know, the Jazz went three for 30 from three-point range last night. Just, just awful. Awful. And, guys, I, I think it's time to go ahead and wrap Mike Conley up and get him out of here. Mike Conley in this series is averaging nine points. He's shooting 27% from the floor. Uh, yeah, it's, 
it's a done deal for some of these guys. Utah, I think, is the quintessential team that peaked last year, and it's just – I think it's about time to to blow it up. You know, it reminds me of the time where we thought um, there was some chemistry issues between Gobert and Mitchell. Then it seemed like they kind of had it together, especially last season with how well they played in the regular season. But, I mean, and I'm not saying there's chemistry issues there, but, like, something is off with that team. And it's just – you would expect a team that won, what, 60 – you know, whatever, the number one seed in the West last year. How do you take this big of a step back with basically the same group of guys? Don't tell me Joe Ingles meant this much to this team. Please don't try to sell that to me. But it, but it is it is pleasing to me that it appears Dallas is going to take care of this. Because, yeah, I was done with Utah heading into this series. Yeah, and that's where I start. Um, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of some nice things to say about Utah. Because I always say negative things about them. I've heard it's a pretty and, and this ain't gonna be no different. Here's the deal, right? Um, like you said, Utah peaked last season. And what I think is going on now is a bunch, like you said, flat soda, left the food out, stale it in the mug. This is why we're probably hearing, you know, reports about. Quinn Snyder going, um, you know, to coach somebody else. Or, I, listen, at the end of the day, let me, let me just keep it real. When this season is over, Rudy Gobert need to be somewhere else. Um, the, hold on, let me say it this way. The only three players that I've seen thus far that probably need to stay is Clarkson, because I, I think, you know, for the most part, he, he do what you pay him to do. Um, maybe Donovan Mitchell, if, if that you want to build the team around like uh, Donovan Mitchell, I can see that. And I know, I know he hasn't played like the best. Like he's, we have to remember this. But Donovich was carrying the Jazz in Game One. It wasn't even close. So I get it that he stunk up the joint last night, but I do think this team ain't no. They're not even competitive without him. To be honest with you. Um, so I, I think I, I, I like what he do. He's not the most athletic player. He's not the most flashy player, but I like what he does. And I think for the most part, outside of last night's performance, he gives you what you expect from him. But these, like you said, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, um, I don't know, these guys out here, Roy, Royce O'Neal, um, it's it just, it's time to shake it up. Yeah, it's time to shake some things up. So, that, can that's I, my. Can I just say about? I think it comes down to. It's it's the Donovan Mitchell piece for me. Like at this point, I think you have to seriously ask yourself: Is he the guy to build around? Like, can he be the one on a championship team? I, I've been of the mindset. I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he quite makes. Because, uh, generally speaking, your best player, it's not. It's not only so much that he has to score. He has to make other guys better. And I just, I don't, I don't think he's that guy. I would say if we get the opportunity to see it first, I, w- I would just like the opportunity. Like if they did one season, next season, and got those guys and built the team around Mitchell and then it still fall flat, then I'm with you. But we we haven't got the evidence yet. I don't I mean he don't the way he played now, I'm with you. He don't seem to make the players better. 
but maybe it's a little different when everything is built around him and he don't have to worry about, you know, Rudy Gobert doing whatever he's doing and, and this guy doing whatever, Mike Conley doing whatever he's doing. Um, it might be something that, I don't know, but you you could be absolutely right. I mean, I, I just like to get the opportunity to see that in play. Um, but to what you said with the Mavericks, yeah. Yeah, the Mavericks, let me tell you something. They did exactly what you want a team like the Mavericks to do. They they stayed afloat until they got their star player back. Right. And now that they got their star player back, this series feel about as over as it can be. Like 102 to 77, that was yeah, this series about as over as it can be, I think. Um, but I, I gotta give a shout out to the Mavericks because I remember when we was doing a preview, it's like, yeah, okay. Bronson, yeah, that's getting with it. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna get the job done for you. Um, Tim Hardaway, which I don't know what that's about. Um, but we was like, yeah, yeah, that's gonna get the job done. It actually did get the job done, actually, quite well. Uh I was stubborn, actually. I was stubborn. I I picked Dallas, even having no idea if Luca was gonna play, but you did, you did, you did. I give you that. Yes, you did. I my thing was without him, what the what you know. I didn't think Bronson was going to do what he did. Um, and who's – it's another player I'm trying to think about with Dallas. It was like – but either way, I, I – Did you say Dinwiddie? No, I did say Dinwiddie. But, I, yeah, I, I didn't see those players doing what they was doing without Luka. Now we see. And listen, to what you said about the next round, Luka gets in his groove and they keep playing like this. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Luca probably could finally make that conference championship for, for the first time. And we'll see. So I'm, I'm, I am interested in that. Um, Warriors and Nuggets, you said it, man. Like, I'm just waiting for the Warriors to get this done. I think sometimes you just you, you just kind of like go out there and you don't you don't quite give it y'all and you end up losing. I think, listen, if you if Jokic dropped. 37 in game three, and they still lost. It was no reason he couldn't drop 37 and still lose game four either. However, like you said, the fight of the other teammates actually made it worthwhile. <coughs> and so now they're still in the series, but I, I think we see the end of that tomorrow night. Um, Grizzlies and Timberwolves, this thing going seven, and I'm going to give it a pick them right now in, in game seven. Um, Till you said to what you said, hey, John Morant is probably looked at as the best player for both teams. Carl Anthony Towns is the best player for Minnesota. He finally showed up. But the thing, the thing to what you said, if you actually take – so when we first started talking about this series, I was talking about the, the big three for each team. And now I'm feeling like cancel out – well, I ain't going to say cancel out the ones, but because John Morant been up and down too. So you take John Moran out and you take Carl and the Towns out, but you look at the tools, which for, for, for the Grizzlies to me is Desmond Bain and for the Timberwolves is Anthony Edwards. What I'm starting to feel like is that second player, if that second player play lights out, usually that team win. Now, game four, a little different because Carl and then Towns being the one, he played probably he not probably his best game of the series, um, but I, I, I'm starting to just look at Desmond Bain and, and Anthony Edwards a little more because I think they're going to be the deciding parts. Because listen, 
Jerry Jackson Jr., I don't know what he got going on. Oh, man. Like, ever since you started, like, blasting him, I started paying attention, like, <laughs> oh, man. Yo, I see, yo, I see what Jay talking about, man. What we doing here? Uh, you going to stay on the court long enough to do something? And then D'Angelo Russell. I don't, I don't know. Uh, D'Angelo, you want to give us some of that Nets magic, some of that? No? Okay. So, <coughs> so with that said, I got a, a pick. I got that one as a pick them in game seven. And then one, eight. Listen, Jay, say what you want. If the, hey, if, if, the, if the Pelicans get it done tonight and break, break, make this thing 3-2, or even if the Suns win, right, and, and the Pelicans win game six and we get to a game seven with no Devin Booker, I don't know, man. Drink, I'll I put, put it to you like this. If the Pelicans win game five, I'll watch game six. I'll make that deal with you. Okay. <laughs> There's I, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. When you got eight series going on, that's a lot, man. That's a that lot for, you know, for, a part, for a part-time fellow like me. No, but I, I, I'm with you, right? And I agree with you. The reason I started paying attention, because remember the last show, I was like, wait, they won a game? Yeah. <laughs> like, and now they won two games. So now I'm yeah. like, I got to start got actually paying some attention out here, like, the Pelicans actually beating the Suns, right? Um, so that you know, with that said, we, we'll see how they go down with Game Five tonight, man. But hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you this: it seems like it used to be a time where the Western Conference was more of the um, de facto. We know what's gonna happen. The Eastern Conference was more of the the surprising, like whoa, this this one might go seven, this one might go six. This offseason, isn't it flipped? It really has because. When you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, it looked like Miami about to get it done. Um, Milwaukee going to get it done. Boston already got it done. The only one that's iffy is the 76ers, and that's only because Joel Embiid. But I'm looking over here at the Suns. They flopping around. The Grizzlies flopping around. I mean, I ain't going to say the Mavericks flopping around, but it's still a series. Um, the only team that's showed any dominance is the Warriors. So, there's just something to say on where we at in the NBA right now. All right, so staying in the NBA, what if I, Jay, what if I told you that the Lakers will have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook on one team, all right? And then the next will have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. At least that's how the season started. Where would you, which is off the top of your head, right? Where would you depict those two teams in their respective conferences? I go. I mean, I, I'd go ahead and fast forward. I think though both those teams should have championship aspirations. Right. So, with that said, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about which team was more, most disappointing, but. With that said, we know the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. We know the Nets got swept. Most people would say the Nets couldn't have been as disappointed as the Lakers because they actually made the playoffs, right? But some can say, yeah, but they weren't supposed to get swept, and the Lakers, but the Lakers was never there. So make sense of this, Jay. What, what are we talking about? How, how and what 
In what world could the, the Nets be more of a disappointment than the Lakers or vice versa? What's yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think uh, because, because the Lakers had the misfortune of being like 33 and 49 and couldn't even made, they couldn't even make the play in tournament. I think it's a, you can, you got a pretty, a head start on them being more disappointing than the Brooklyn Nets. And I wouldn't be mad that I wouldn't be mad that at all. I think that's a you'd have a hard time like dismissing such an argument. But I, I look maybe and maybe you should have asked me which team is more embarrassing this year because I think Brooklyn got a strong case on that one because this was I mean this is pretty this is pretty shocking the way they finished the season and again all credit in the world to the Boston Celtics but. You, you, <laughs> two of the most skilled offensive players in this generation. We know, we know Kevin Durant, we know Kyrie Irving. And I mean, even the supporting cast, like you got, you got Patty Mills, you got Seth Curry. I, I think Bruce Brown has been a godsend for this team. Love what he gives them. You got Drummond, you know, a guy who's, you know, led the league in rebounding multiple times. Claxton, nice young player. You know, I, but I just can't get swept, man. You can't get swept. And the thing about it is when you look at the Lakers and then you look at the Nets, yeah, we understand the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. It's pretty embarrassing. But we also know, but we also, what we also know is that we know that LeBron is just, I mean, you, you make this point all the time. LeBron shouldn't be having to do this much at this stage of his career. This is the part where Anthony Davis should be taking over. And Anthony Davis can't take over because he ain't even in charge of his own body. He just can't, he just can't keep it together, man. All right, this dude's like, you know, this dude's like Humpty Dumpty almost. They can't put him back together. I mean, that's, that's what we have at this point. And then your general manager over here, you know, he wants to bring in Russell Westbrook for like three players who could actually, you know, who relatively might actually be worth their contracts. For Russell Westbrook, who is a deteriorating player. I mean, it's called what it is. And so, so you have Westbrook and you have LeBron. We didn't, I didn't like that fit. Now, I, th- I didn't think they'd be this bad, but I didn't think, I didn't think they could win a championship. And I didn't think they could, I thought the best they could do was win a playoff series. So, so you have all these things going. You actually look at the Lakers and the biggest thing is Anthony Davis, I think just not playing much. And you're like, all right, well, I mean, Anthony Davis is a guy that you should be relying on night in, night out, in my opinion. And you, you just, you just didn't have that guy. And then, you know, LeBron, LeBron, we've seen it. He just, he getting nicked up a little more. He has to miss some games here and there. And Westbrook, Westbrook just can't lead the team. So you have all that going on. And then, oh, by the way, remember, the, don't forget this part. You invested so much in bringing in Davis and bringing in Westbrook in the trades that you made that you just depleted your bench. I mean, we look at, look, we talk about, I talk about it all the time. The Lakers, AARP, AARP memberships for most of them. I mean, these guys, I'm surprised you ain't seeing walkers and canes out there for some of them. And then the, the guys that are young, they, they look like they fresh out the G League, some of them. I mean, Austin Reeves, still trying to figure out who that is. So you have all, I mean, so you combine all these things and then you're like, hmm. Well, I mean, this is still highly, this is still pretty, pretty awful. It's disappointing, but at least we, I feel like we understand a little bit, you know, so, and, but then you look at Brooklyn 
And you could make a lot of excuses for Brooklyn. You could say, man, well, KD missed those two weeks. Uh, what, he missed a couple months, it feel like, where they uh, had like a 10-game losing streak. It just played – they were pretty bad. Kyrie, Kyrie, like he couldn't play. And then the team said, well, you know what, we don't want you to play, period. We don't want that part-time stuff. And then after a while, they said, well, actually, no, come on, man. We, we would like a part-time player because we out here struggling. And then you had James Harden out there. And then you didn't have James Harden because you traded him because he was tired of y'all. And then you traded James Harden. You actually got a nice deal. You got, not only did you get Ben Simmons, we'll get to that in a moment, but you got back Seth Curry, who's a heck of a player, and you got back Drummond. So, I mean, you did well. And, and with all that, and don't forget, you got Dragic, another veteran you can use. I mean, the Nets still, like, you look at their roster and it's incredible. Like, I don't even know why LaMarcus Aldridge came out of retirement because he couldn't find the floor. You know, like Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, he's the guy they bring off the bench in the fourth quarter to be the hero for some reason. It's just mind boggling. So to me, I, I think the Lakers, if you want to make an argument for the Lakers is the bigger disappointment, I think that's fine. But Brooklyn, just the way they went about it and drink, the thing about it is like their, their best two guys were healthy in the end. And they were on the floor together, like, and you had, and I know Ben Simmons, but like, what, I mean, ain't like Ben Simmons going to come out there and start shooting the lights out for you. We know, we know that's not what he's giving you. And that's what you needed more of in this series. You needed more offense. I really think to me, the Nets, the Nets were just as disappointing, if not more so, because in the end, KD is a guy who, although I think he is a touch past his prime. He's still a guy who you expect to be able to lift your team on his shoulders and show you the way. Kyrie, Kyrie, one of the, from a scoring perspective, one of the best Robins you could have, no question. And then the supporting cast, Bruce Brown does a little bit of everything. You got the shooters in Seth and uh, Patty Mills. You got the guys on the inside who can, who can protect the rim, rebound, Drummond and Claxton. And this is, and you could you could not win one game in the first round. I mean, I, I don't know what you do with that. And then again, and then it goes back to the point of where, look, and I'm not blaming Steve Nash for this necessarily, but this is why when you hire a coach with a guy for guys with these personalities, with these kind of stars, it would help if you get a coach who actually has some experience. Because, I mean, even though we know Steve Nash and all that he's accomplished in this league, you talk about this from time to time, and I think there's something to be said for it. I mean, these guys, if you ain't coached a, a day, they say, all right, yeah, you could play, but what you got for us as a coach? You ain't done nothing. And the thing about it is we know, we know how different guys like KD and Kyrie are. I mean, they just different fellas. I mean, KD back, be out here with the burner accounts. And he liked to fight with the media. And we don't even need to get into some of the Kyrie stuff. Kyrie be all over the place. He want to he wanna tell us about the, uh, the earth and his theories about, you know, how that's, you know, flatter than this calendar I got laying here. And then he want to he wanna be, um, I'm not the vaccine stuff. I was with Kyrie on some of that. I think it's ridiculous. But then, he want, but then you know, game one, you want to drop 39 on Boston. And then you want to be flipping off fans and doing all this other stuff. You want to fight the fans and you ain't going to take this. I guess you was listening to Westbrook tapes, you know, 
it's just boss Brooklyn. Brooklyn did it in a way to where they just kind of, I think I, they made fools of themselves. And I just like, I, I think, I think I would, if you're going with the Lakers as a bigger disappointment, I, I'm not going to disagree, but I just think the way, I mean, what would, it's like, what's worse at this point. I mean, the, what's what missing the playoffs completely or making the playoffs. We actually think you could do something because I'm still shocked that this was a sweep. And again, it's not, they didn't get beat up in any of the games. It was like every game was within look, five, 10 points. Every game was closed and you couldn't find a way to win one. I think for me, I think Brooklyn was the, maybe not the bigger disappointment, but they were the more embarrassing team that it was embarrassing the way they finished. Okay. So to, to start off where you left off, can I, can I, let me jump back in real quickly. One more. We okay. talk about the big threes real quick. The big threes. I think at the beginning of the season, I said this, both of these teams had the most talented big threes. You talk about Westbrook, AD and LeBron, Brooklyn, Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden. Brooklyn had almost, they had a big four, not at the same time, but they traded James Harden for Ben Simmons. And this guy, look, James Harden didn't want to be there. Ben Simmons, he don't want to be nowhere, it appears. He don't want to be nowhere. You got nothing out of him. And drink, by the way, I told you this, right? They said before game three, oh, Ben Simmons is going to play game four. And I said this. Look, why did you do that? Because what's going to happen is if you lose game three, I guarantee he ain't playing game four. And lo and behold, that's what happened. That, that was, God, that was terrible. My bad. Go uh, ahead. To, to the credit of, of the, the Brooklyn Nets media, they said if he didn't restrain his back in 303 or whatever, he would have played in game four whether they won or lost. You believe Guess that? You believe he really strained his back? Man, listen, I believe Ben Simmons softer than baby poop. But, you know, that's here no there. I know you like to deal down with, you know, factual. So, me, I'm a little more of a barbershop type guy. I take a little, little something, a little juice and kind of run with it. So, I just want to throw something a little factual out there. But, with that said, um, I think – I would put it this way. I think the most embar- – I don't think the Nets as a team was the most embarrassing – I do think Kevin Durant probably was the most embarrassed player in this whole ordeal because the thing about LeBron is LeBron in year 19. So right. they're going to be like, okay, he didn't make the playoffs, but he old. Like we put this, like you just said, we put this more on Westbrook, uh, Westbrook and AD than we do LeBron. Like he, he just shouldn't be the dude carrying a team. Durant is still at a time in his career where he can carry a team. And that's kind of the the that is the opportunity he got in this this um series and he kind of fell flat. So I think when you look back at all this, the most embarrassed player for all this is gonna be Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant was looked at as a guy that he was gonna come back, he was gonna save the season, and Kyrie was gonna finally be able to play, and we was gonna get this thing rolling. That didn't necessarily happen. That's with or without James Harden. I ain't adding the James Harden piece yet. But that's just Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant. So I think he's the most embarrassing player. Now, when we're talking about um, disappointing, it's the Lakers for sure for me. And I'm going to tell you why. With everything you just rolled out about the Nets, the Nets actually did better with most of the moves that they tried to do. For example, the Lakers. 
Let's talk about the offseason. The Nets lost um, – they lost Jerry Allen, what, begin, at some point of last season, right? So they started this season with all The Nets' offseason was – I don't even remember who they really got in the offseason, but it wasn't nobody crazy. It was like some veteran minimal guys. The Lakers' offseason was trading KCP, Kyle Kuzma, and – and um. What? Hey, Montrez Harrell. There we go. Them three for Westbrook. Not only that, you lost Caruso that you could have afforded to bring back. Dwight Howard, you got him back, but at that point he was out of here, right? Um, some some of the other names elude me. My my point is this: Can you please tell me what move or anything that the Lakers did from the end of last season? to the end of their season this season that you said, oh, the Lakers did well in the, on that move? I guess it was – well, to that point, maybe my, my kind of, you know, kind of theory on the trade deadline was maybe they had did so poorly all the way up to that point that they said, well, there ain't nothing we can do to fix this. So that's maybe that's why they didn't do anything. But that's the trade deadline. I'm talking about – what I mean, what the hell did they really do in the offseason? That's right. Well, that's right. That's that's why I'm saying that's why you jacked it up so much along the way that like we can't do anything to uh, to fix it at that point. So yeah, true. I, I agree. True. That's true. Okay, I, I get you. That tr- that's true. It's just it felt like just from everybody was just kind of like effing this up, right? I just felt like Rob Palinka, that that crap he pulled again, Westbrook instead of you had opportunity to get the Rosen. And Buddy Hill, and to keep Caruso, and to keep KCP, and to keep um, now I, I don't know if they would necessarily been able to keep all them players, but the point is the move you made did not work out well at all. Like you traded for a guy that is the highest paid player on that team. He makes forty four million. The next guy I think is LeBron. No, maybe it's Anthony Davis at like forty something. Either him or LeBron. One of them are like. I think LeBron at 38 million. But the point is at $44 million, you trade away guys that was damn near out here playing for pennies to get a guy that 44 million. I want to know what Russell Westbrook fan thought that he played like a $44 million guy. That's what I want. Who I would love to this staunch Westbrook. Believer to tell me when at, at what point did he play like a $44 million play? Because I would I would love to hear this argument. On top of you just said what you just said about AD. I don't know. Maybe I've been saying this for like the last like year. I really think the Lakers should go ahead and look to trade him. I mean, listen, if this is gonna be your future anyway, with LeBron giving you what he can give you and AD being hurt and Westbrook not being happy, you might as well just trade him anyway, because you're not getting nowhere. Where are you going? You're not winning a championship unless all three of these guys doing what they're supposed to. So you might as well trade somebody, get something. I mean, and I say somebody, really the only person you can really trade is Anthony Davis as far as basketball talent. You can trade LeBron. If you trade LeBron, it'll be a straight, like, PR thing. Like, oh, we got LeBron. We're going to sell more tickets and make a little more money. Right? He's going to make your franchise more valuable. But leading you to the promised land, probably not going to happen. Um, and then Westbrook, I think Westbrook, the same thing for certain teams. He go to the other team. He makes them a little more 
um, tolerable and, and, and more visible. For the Nets, if you ask me, what happened with the Nets is this, right? You had a part-time employee with Kyrie. Unfortunate, we know, we seen what COVID did with all the sports, not just basketball. You had KD that missed 30, like 30 some odd games because of his injury. All right. Any team that lose their best player for that long is gonna struggle. Listen, I mean, listen, I know you I know you might say, well, Memphis lost John Morant for like 20 some odd games. They was cool. They were. I'm I'm not gonna lie, but I don't know, they're a little different. I think they just caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, but you're supposed to kind of struggle, not to the level that they struggle, but you're supposed to kind of struggle just because of your best player gone. Then your third best player or second best player, however you look at it, decides, yeah, this ain't really working for me, boss. I'm trying to get traded somewhere else. <laughs> okay, cool. He was He was there for like, what, 10 minutes? Right, like, yeah, I thought this was something. Uh, and then he had the audacity to be like, well, I want to go to Philly. What's my first choice? All right, James Harden. So on your way out, you got you to gotta put that part in too, right? Come on, man. Just get up out of here. Um, but my thing, like I said, with the Nets is, and I think I would have to give the GM for the Nets credit, like, the moves he made wasn't bad moves. Like, give me the move where you was like, oh, that was a terrible move. Because – he got back some chips for James Harden. He he really did. I mean, you go into next year, you got Seth Curry that's going to know his role better. You probably got a more motivated Andre Drummond because he probably feel like he'd be, he'll be part of the, the process now. Um, and if Ben Simmons do play, the thing is, we just want to see Ben Simmons on the court, right? So if you get him on the court and he does something, I mean, I, I think you got you got what you need because I'm looking at James Harden with Philadelphia, and let me just tell you, we talked about this two segments ago. I'm not blown away with J what James Harden got going on over there with Philly. So my point of this, Jay, at the end of the day, I guess my bottom line is this. I felt like the moves that the Nets made from the, from the end of last season to now, even though it resulted in a sweep, was so much better to actually build a contending team than what the Lakers did. The Lakers just went the totally wrong direction. And like you said, it could be some truth to that. Rob Palenka said, we didn't jacked up so much. What's the use of making the hole even bigger? We'll just keep it like this. Um, so that that's how I look at it. Like I said, I think the Lakers was the most disappointing team. The Nets probably the most embarrassed team because of how they just finished their season in a series that we gave them a shot in. And I think of all of this, I think Kevin Durant is probably the most embarrassed player just because of his statue and what we think of him and how his season ended. And now what people have to say about him saying, hey, don't ever mention him as the best player in the world again. Hey, don't ever mention him as a adversary to LeBron James again. I don't hear none of that. You know, whoop de -whoop. He he's only what he is because of Golden State. Like stuff like that. I think this really probably got under KD's skin. I don't think he's going to pull a Ben Simmons or anything, but I think he he probably got the short end of that. But, yeah, man, like I say, I, I definitely think the Lakers were more disappointed, but the Nets was more embarrassed. If you if you widen this out a little bit, and I, I'm not, I don't want to rephrase the question, but to me, and I said this, I don't know, maybe last show, a couple shows ago, at least the, Lake, the Lakers, as bad as it seems right now, they did get a title out of this. They did get a title out of the LeBron era. 
this is the third season. Of course, KD missed the first season with the Achilles. But this is the third season of KD, Kyrie, and whatever drink. They've got one one playoff series win. This is an abject failure right now. And the thing about it is you've got KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons. From a personality standpoint, and of course on the basketball court, maybe it could turn out to be good if you ever get Ben Simmons out there. But this this looks this looks like a nightmare for Steve Nash to deal with those three guys. Because Ben Simmons, he's gonna be over in behavioral health. Kyrie gonna be there'll be some cause that happens that he wanna go be the activist. KD just want a ball, but like this stuff, I really think this stuff is gonna wear on KD because there's a lot of external foolishness. And I really got to, I really got to think about KD and wonder like, is he satisfied with this or does he regret leaving Golden State? Because I look and I, and you look at this too. I, th- I, I was talking about James Harden's legacy. This is a strike against KD because you got sweat. And now people look, you got people coming out and saying he's a, a bus rider and all this other stuff, which I find somewhat amusing, but look, KD, what does he want without Steph Curry? Nothing. Steph Curry's won a title without, without KD. These are facts. And look, when it's, it's somewhat, it's not the same thing, but look, Kyrie left LeBron to beat a man, couldn't beat a man. KD was the best player on that Golden State team. But like you say, and I think correctly so, that's still Steph's team. It's, and it still is today. So I don't know. I, I think... This Brooklyn thing right now, it's damaging KD's legacy. It's damaging Kyrie's as well. This is, this is a failure right now. And it, we'll see if they get, can get it together as, as we progress. All right, we now move over to the NFL. The NFL draft uh, first round on Thursday, a couple days away. And so in honor of this being our last draft preview, say we want to do something somewhat different uh, the question is for this one, which NFL team um, needs uh, what, what team is what team has the most pressure to have a really good draft? That's the question. Trent. All right. So um, in totality, I'll come back to that. But I think if you're talking about offensively, I think it's two teams that stick out um, right off the bat. One being the Green Bay Packers. Um, listen, here's the deal. We, we just said this. You got two first-round picks. One, if not both, probably need to go to a wide receiver. But, you know, if you spend 22 on a wide receiver and 28 on the offensive lineman, I ain't mad at that. But I, I do think they both should be offensive picks. We'll see how that goes. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, here's the deal. That, hey, listen, that was probably the most surprising blow we've seen in the offseason, you know, behind Devontae Adams leaving the Packers. Um, was when when Kansas City traded away Tyreek Hill. So now we have to like pretty much assume that Kansas City is under the pressure to make sure that they use one of these two first round picks to replace the talent of Tyreek Hill. Listen, I don't give a rip who they signed in Austin, the free agency. I don't, I don't give a rip. They, they can sign four or five receivers. Unless one of them receivers is like a top five receiver, I don't give a rip. Did Juju Smith Schuster? That ain't that ain't enough. They ain't gonna cut it for me. Um, so I do think they're gonna have to like you know probably ace these offensive picks. Now, in totality, 
Listen, some of these bottom feeders need to have a good draft. I'm tired of looking at Jacksonville at the top of the freight. I am. Can they win? Can they get a draft? Can they ace a draft? At least, listen, if they got, let's say they got eight picks, could they get six of them right and two of them be flops or something? I'm tired of looking at them at the top of the draft. You think, you think you're tired of them? How do you, th- how do you think uh, a Jacksonville correspondent feels? Yeah, he's probably mad about that. He's, no, no, it ain't probably. He's probably extra mad about that. I'm just saying I, I don't like seeing it. He's living it. So, eh, you know. Um, but, like, I'm looking at teams like the Jets, for example. Um, listen, I know you, you think you got your quarterback. So, if you got your quarterback, like, I don't know. Draft him a weapon. Draft him an offensive lineman. Draft him something. Um, I think – so, I guess I don't want to jump too far ahead because I know we got to wrap it later on that's talking about this. But uh, a team like Carolina, listen, here's the thing, right? Would you say Carolina ace the draft last year with the defensive picks? But uh, I know it was J.C. Horn that was their first pick, right? I'm, right. I'm, I'm skipping out whoever else, but I mean that that was a really good. That was a really good pick. Well, let me see. Like it, it was either last year or the year before when they went all defense. I think it was the year before last. So they went okay. So that that okay. That's what I'm referencing. And to. I think we. I know I really like that draft. Right. So I feel like the Panthers should just do that on offense. Now. Well, not all offense, but because they still got DJ Moore, they still got Christian McCaffrey. I get that, but. Outside of those guys, I mean, I don't know if Robert Anderson ever going to get um, activated over there in the Carolina uniform. So, I don't know, man. I think the Panthers could be under some pressure to, A, look at a quarterback at six. Um, you know, maybe be more offensive-minded like they did with the defense. I mean, it worked out. Um, how about the Washington Commanders for a second? Um, here's the deal. We came into the season, we were talking about their defense. Oh, his defense should be electric. Da, da, da. They're going to be led by the defense. You can roll out a potato sack to lead them to, like, a uh, divisional championship because it's so bad. <clears throat> and then that didn't happen. And now, once again, not to jump, in, jump too far, the commanders are in everything. You know what kind of gets the, the monkey off your back? Winning. Yes. So, yes. you know, so if they go out here and make some noise, get get some picks right, give give Carson Wentz some well, because evidently he ain't gonna have t- Terry McLaurin throw, to throw to because he'll be upset with his contract. But if if you don't have that guy back, your number one receiver, well, go get him some some other guys. I know you got um Gibson back there in the backfield, but who in the hell else do you got? Like you got Ashley, like who else? So maybe I say a team like the Commanders probably. Could you know ace the draft? They need to ace the draft. Matter of fact, to the answer to your question, I think the Washington Commanders is a team that need to absolutely ace this draft. Absolutely. Why? Because they got that talk. They're the talk of the town or the talk of the NFL about everything that's not talked about in football. They out here damn near money laundering. Um, they like a Rico case against them pretty much. Like. They, they got it all going on over there. So, hey, listen, maybe if you just go ahead and do, you know, fix the stadium one and then do have a good draft. And um, maybe we might not remember that you guys break so many common everyday rules and treat your fans like straight. So um, I think, I, you know what? I came to the conclusion, Jay, 
I'm going to say I think the Washington Commanders is absolutely a team that needs to ace it all around. And then, like I said, for me, Green Bay and Kansas City are two teams that I think need to ace the offensive side of the ball especially. Not to say they don't need some help on defense, but when we think about these two teams and who their quarterbacks is and what, what they've been doing in the last about four years, it's about the offense for those two teams. So that's where I'm at with that, Jay. Yeah, um, there's definitely uh, quite a few teams. I mean, look, if you're one of these teams that's picking in the top five or whatever, and you're one of these teams that's got two first-round picks and, like, the first 10 to 15 picks, yeah, you're up there for a reason. I think, uh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave Green Bay alone for once. I'm going to leave them. Well, actually, you know, I'll take that back. I actually got something for them in the Rapids. <laughs> so, no, I'm, but I'm going to leave them alone for this segment. You're free for this one, Brian Gutekunz. Uh, but I look, they, they there is pressure on them, particularly to get that wide receiver position under control. I, I like what you said about Kansas City, and I think um, I think look, obviously, offense side is a big deal, but I think for the whole I think for the whole team is big because it just feels like with the loss of Tyreek Hill and. Uh, Tyron Matthew, his, I don't, by the way, has he still even been signed? Have we seen anything? I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen anything. But it just feels it feels like for Kansas City, th- there's some real cracks in the armor right now. You know, for the past couple of years, it just feels like man, Kansas City is just the juggernaut. They're gonna, they are the team to beat. And now without Tyreek Hill, because again, like I've been saying, I mean, after Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. It get a little, you know, there's a little bit of, there's not that much, I don't see that much after him, you know? I mean, so it just feels like now, how do you, how do you restock, you know? And I'm not saying, I don't think you, I don't think they're going to replace Tyreek Hill, but like, you're going to have to do it by committee. And it starts with, you know, it starts with Kelsey, obviously, but like Juju is going to have to come in there and play and play big for him. Valdez Scantling, I think that's an underrated guy that you can bring in. At least he can make stretch the field for you. I'm not saying he's he not going to be Tyreek Hill, but at least can he be a vertical threat to take some of the to take some of the pressure off the off Kelsey and you know not let some teams just come in there and just press up on everything because Kelsey and Juju they're not going to stretch the field. I don't believe, but you you're going to need a little bit more. You're going to need a guy another guy who can you know take the top off the defense. I think. But also, I mean, speaking of the defense, if, you know, Tyron Matthew, we know what he means to that defense. If he's not, if he, they're not going to re-sign him somehow, you're going to have to get better over there as well. And what it, what it seems like to me is it just gets to a point where how much can the quarterback overcome? And I think Patrick Mahomes is a guy who can overcome a lot, but now you're starting to take some of his guys away. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's, I think it's going to be difficult moving forward if you don't draft smartly and are able to help him out. So I think, I think Kansas city is under some pressure from the standpoint that I think it's, it'll, it can be very easy for them right now to kind of lose that allure and that, um, that kind of predetermination we have that like, man, no, well, it don't matter what happened. Kansas city going to be, they're going to win the AFC West and they're going to be in the AFC championship game. But we, we know they're going to, they're going to be somewhere at the end when it matters. And even off the jump, when we, we talk about all these AFC West teams, Denver getting Russell Wilson, the Raiders with um, 
Devontae Adams, the Chargers with Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson to a lesser degree. I mean, all these, all these teams are coming, and they're coming pretty hard, it appears. Uh, but outside of Kansas City, I did agree. I, I do agree with these teams in the top five. And look, I mean, not to pick on Jacksonville, but look, J- Jackson, Jacksonville got a hit. They got a hit. They got a ace. They got to ace this one. And the reason why I believe is they had their first pick last year. We know it, Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence was that guy, right or wrong. And I think me and you are two guys who have been somewhat measured in our approach of Trevor Lawrence and saying, well, you know what? Maybe we should pump the brakes just a little bit on this guy. Because I'm not sure. It looked like some pretty simple stuff we're out there doing at Clemson. We're just out here throwing the ball up, you know, just throwing jump balls to the likes of T. Higgins and Justin Ross. And like, oh, that, that, that's it. That's good. But could you do a little bit more? I think it's going to be a little bit more complex come NFL time. Now, what they did do, look, they they tried, they upgraded at receiver, it looked like. Christian Kirk, you know, some who somebody else that they signed, they tried to do some things. But still, even with that being said, they got a lot of work to do. And I think it's really important because Trevor Lawrence saved that week 17 game where they wrecked the Colts playoffs hopes. That was pretty uninspiring last year, what we saw from Trevor Lawrence. I know, I know guys coming to the league with first overall pick and like, I mean, Peyton Manning was like 26 touchdowns, 28 picks and like got sometimes guys hit guys struggle early on. But when you have those level expectations, look, people ain't going to be patient for so long, but with that, and this is why we say the situation a quarter, a, a guy gets put in, it's a big deal. It can make or break you. And Jacksonville is a situation that has broke a lot, you know? So I think it's crucial that Jacksonville, Dave Caldwell, whoever, I guess he's still making picks. They didn't fire him, despite the whole, what was it, the, the Twitter picture handle with the clown mustaches and just all the nonsense they was doing. Look, man, they got to get, they got to get Trevor Lawrence some more help. And like, you look, I mean, look, the number one pick is cool and all, but you don't want to be doing this over and over and over again. So if nothing else, there's pressure, I think, to not be an NFL joke. Cause that's what they are now. They're a joke. And even, but you, but you just can't be that when you get the, the supposed savior of the franchise that there, there comes some level of responsibility to make improvements. And the first year in that, in that you didn't do, you didn't get better. You really didn't get that much better. So, I mean, new coach, hopefully that means some, hopefully Doug Peterson got something for it because I know, Look, speaking of flat sodas like the Utah Jazz, Doug Peterson got a little stale up there in Philadelphia. I mean, that's just what happened. So I think Jacksonville's under a lot of pressure. I think Kansas City is as well. And also, not to make it, not to drag it out. If you got two picks up there in the first 10, 15 picks, you better, you better do something. Because if you don't, what was the point of acquiring them? So if you if you ain't if you ain't got nothing for us, you ain't gonna hit, what are you doing? All right, you know what time it is. It's rapid reaction. We got a whole lot of topics in a little bit of time. Jay, the floor is yours. All right, recently retired Villanova men's basketball coach Jay Wright appeared to leave the door open to coaching in the NBA in appearance today on ESPN's Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. That's a great name for a show. Is that something he could actually pursue? He should actually pursue. I think so, man. I think it's been coaches with a lesser resume, um, coaches that's less successful. 
than the moving and coaching in the NBA. But I, I tell you what, um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier. Jay Wright just has a look of a guy that's in the booth. Like he he just got like that kind of that smooth, suave look, something like Pat Riley. He just looks like a guy that um a, a, a program would build something around to for him to be in the booth, whether that's in the studio or actually calling the games. Um, that's kind of the feel I get when I when I see him, listen to him, whatever the case might have you. But with that said, I think his resume should allow him a chance to coach in the NBA. Yesterday, 49ers GM John Lynch said he couldn't imagine moving on from star wide receiver Debo Samuels, who has reportedly asked for a trade. Does this mean Lynch is open to trading Debo, Jay? Yeah, and I think Lynch uh, probably worded it this way just in case, like, he, you know, you know, somewhat uh, – not plausible deniability, but like, look, hey man, I didn't say I didn't guarantee it or anything. Look, look, this team offered this great hard. I just couldn't say no. So I think he's just leaving the door open a little bit to protect himself. But um, I, I do, I do agree though. Like, I, I think it's um with just the, what Debo means to that team. I, I would be shocked if they trade him. I think you got to take care of that guy with all he means to you and how he played last year. Milwaukee Bucks point guard Drew Holiday was named the NBA's teammate of the year today, and he's now the only player to have won the award twice. Is that a big deal? I think it should be a big deal. And I think if the NBA made it more of a big deal, it would be a big deal. Um, listen, you, you're talking about a game that's driven by individual players. Um, the, your best player on your team usually um, measures how good your team is, right? So for a player to win this award twice as the best teammate, it does say a lot. But the problem is if the NBA ain't going to make it a big deal, who else? You know, it's kind of, we always talk about the man of the year award with the NFL, and I think the NFL do a good job of making that a big deal. I think the NBA needs to start doing a job to make awards like this a big deal because I do think that's a big deal to have an award like that. I would love to play with a player that was the two-time NBA teammate of the year. If he can't do anything else, he could be a good teammate. Atlanta Braves outfielder Eddie Rosario will have laser procedures in the, uh, in the coming days to correct blurred vision after his three and four to four start to the season. Jay, what is, what is your reaction to this? I'm at, I'm at, I get, I'm actually happy for him. Like at least you got a, a, an excuse. Like, hey man, what's wrong with you? Why are you over here batting less than one hundred? I can't see, man. All right, well, let's get you in there. And let's get it corrected. The thing about it is, like, it's kind of funny because, you know, we was talking about this a little bit before the show. He was the NLCS MVP last year. He was hitting, like, like what, 380 in the postseason. So I just don't understand how all of a sudden, like, you could see the ball six months ago, but now you can't see. So I, I just think it's a little bit wild. But, look, at least, at least there's an explanation for it. Former Oklahoma football coach Bob Stoops assured Sooner fans that the OU football program was in good hands and that, quote, Lincoln Raleigh didn't invent OU football, end quote. What would you make of Stoops' comments? I agree with him. I'm not an Oklahoma fan by no means, but I agree with him. You got to think, Bob Stoops was there before Lincoln Raleigh, and he had them. They was winning games. They played in, in national championships. Then you go, if, even if you go back to, like, the Barry Switzer days when he was running things, the Chris Bosworth days when um they was playing. Uh, o, OU is considered a, a blue blood by – a majority of people, depending on who you talk to. So I'm with um, Bob Stoops when he say that because just because Lincoln Raleigh maybe elevated the, the program doesn't mean he is the program. They can also continue to win under a new coach. So I, I like what he said. He didn't invent OU football, and he didn't. 
On Monday, uh, Panthers GM Scott Filter met with, with Sam Dorn and told the former third overall pick that it's a good chance the team will add a quarterback during the upcoming draft. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, my thoughts are if Sam Donald rates this kind of uh, courtesy from his general manager, then why don't Aaron Rodgers up there in Green Bay? Look, Brian Gunnikins could learn something from this guy, and I don't even know who the hell he is. That's all I'm saying. This this was highly ridiculous to why you couldn't give Aaron Rodgers a heads up that Jordan Love was in the queue. Learn something from Fitterer. Denver Nuggets backup center DeMarcus Cousins was fined $15,000 for kicking towels into the spectator stands and Sunday's game four went over the Golden State Warriors. Boogie going to be Boogie, I guess, right? Yes, innocently. Boogie going to do something. But, like, I feel like this – he was fined 15000 Like, did a fan get hurt or something? Did, did a player get hurt? He kicked towels. Who gives a, a rat's ass about the towels? But this is one of those situations where – your past is your future. And unfortunate for DeMarcus Cousins, this is what he got to deal with until he hang it up. His reputation is always going to be a hot head that goes off the rails for the smallest things, et cetera, et cetera. So, hey, when you make that, like my mom used to tell me, you make that bed, you got the lion. And that's where, where DeMarcus Cousins is right now. He made that reputation, now he got the word. Chicago's White Sox, Elon Jimenez, would miss the next six to eight weeks after surgery to repair a torn hamstring tendon. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. I don't go big deal. That's a that's a really big bat in the middle of the White Sox lineups with uh, re- really big power. And it just, it's just getting to the point where like, it seems like he just hurt a lot. And I think like he's – I don't want to call him injury prone necessarily, but he do seem to be hurt a lot. And uh, – that's got to that's gotta be something that kind of wears on him and wearing on that team right now because they need him. Animal welfare activists are demanding that Minnesota Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor give up his role in the organization because of his ownership of Rembrandt Farms, which experienced an outbreak of bird flu in March. Uh, Drake, are you on the side of the activists? No. Like, did Glenn Taylor get caught putting the bird flu in his, his form? I, I don't get it. So... Because he's a owner of the farm and the farm had a breakout of bird flu, he should step down. Like, business, like, I don't get it. So, now if you're a business owner, you can't even make a mistake now, or you're going to start something like this. You got fans running up on the court trying to protest because, you know, he's the owner of a farm that had an outbreak of the bird flu. I, I don't, what are we talking about here? Stuff happens, it's business, it happens. Now, it would be one thing if old Glenn Taylor came out and had an a interview where he – I don't give a rip about that. Okay, now, okay, yeah, go ahead and protest away. Have a good time. I don't know what's going on in the state of Minnesota, but it's getting real, like, messy in there. It's real, like, chaos going on. It's starting to feel like every three months it's something coming out of the state of Minnesota. So – and I ain't talking about the Timberwolves. So I don't know, like – I don't, I don't know what's going on with that state, but I hope they, they find their way here soon. Last one. The Virginia Attorney General will open an investigation into the Washington Commanders amidst a Congress <clears throat> allegations on some of their financial practice. Do you support this, Jay? Oh, yeah, you know, you know, I support it. Look, look here. Get the, get this thing done. Get over quick, fast, and in a hurry. And you know what the verdict is, right? For Dan Snyder. Guilty. And you know where he's going, Ukraine. 
That's it. Yeah. That concludes tonight's drink of wisdom. As always, like, listen, <laughs> share, subscribe, and thank you for joining us. I'm Jay Watts. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And let me just say this. I thought you was going to say jail or prison, but Ukraine works too. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, this is A Drink of Wisdom. Thank you.